Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. <laughs> this is Kathy. Uh, welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 334, I think. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. Who doesn't want to feel outstanding? <laughs> uh, always remember our motto, I think. I was going to say, what I think needs to happen before we ever start this show is you need to look at which number we're on. Because you know that every week you say, I think. Yeah, I think I can. I think I know. Our motto is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, what's the first topic? How do you want to uh, categorize it? We're going to talk about becoming more curious about each other. Okay, let's get curious about each other. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to talk about a really important two questions you can ask your children to help them become the person you want them to be, the person that they want to be themselves. Yeah. I knew you were going to get mad at me just because <laughs> we, we want, we our want kid, them to be. Yeah, we want them to be empathetic, kind human beings. How about to bring out the best? Yes. The way we want to bring out the best in our kids. I know. It's just, you know what it is, Todd? It's not your, I know you. I know. I use my language and you use your language. Now They're that, two separate languages. Kind of, but they both carry an energy, don't you think? We're actually going to talk about that a little Yes, bit. and mine isn't perfect. and Neither is mine. Neither is yours. No. And that's why this show is good, because we have the yin and yang going. True. Right? True. So, and we're going to give a little uh, preview to our one of our presenters at the Zen Gets Real conference. I queued that up. Oh, good. Good, good, good. And some other things. Uh, but the two questions are going to be really important and powerful. It's by a guy named Daniel Pink. You don't know who Daniel Pink is. He when you say two questions, I don't I don't follow. You just said the two questions. Two questions you can ask your kids ah. to help you get less frustrated at your kids. Got it. So when we talk about him, there's two questions. Two questions, and it's good because I could have used it this morning, but I listened to the podcast after this morning. Missed it by this much, sweetie. Um, but first, um, I want to talk about our first partner. Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. She adjusts us twice a month, and she's awesome. And if you live in the western suburbs or even Chicago, you can look her up at chirotree.com. That's Dr. Kelly. Now, um, we have a conference coming up. Correct. You and I in February. February. That's how you pronounce it. February come from? February. And one of the guys is a guy named Ali Smith. Yes. And I pulled this up. Ali, who is Ali? Will you explain who he is? Sure. He is the executive director of the Holistic Life Foundation, which is um, based in Baltimore. And he and his brother and his good friend created the Holistic Life Foundation for many reasons. They're actually a grant-funded organization. But one of the amazing things they do is they go into the schools in the Baltimore area and they teach children who are at risk – um, yoga and meditation. And that has expanded and, you know, he's written some books and other things have happened, but that's the gist of what so Ali does. So this is a clip from the TEDx Charlottesville that I found. Okay. It's about 45 seconds okay. and it's Ali talking to a group of people. And the title of the TEDx is called Breathing Love into Communities, Holistic Life Foundation. Here's Ali Smith. So we found out that one of the first barriers that you're going to face when you're trying to change a community is language. We found out the hard way when we first started working with the kids that lived directly in our neighborhood. It was a hot summer day. Ottman, Andy, and I were all sitting out on the porch with the kids we were working with at the time. And I guess my filter was off. I wasn't really paying attention, but somewhere during the conversation, a four-letter word slipped out. Hmm. And I didn't really realize it until the kids looked at me in horror. Some of them gasped. Some of them said, ooh. Some of them laughed. 
And one of them looked me dead in my eyes with a serious look on his face. And he was like, man, Ali, you just can't say that. So I was about to apologize, but then I caught myself. And in that moment, I had a realization that, I mean, dropping the F-bomb around a couple, bunch of six to 10-year-olds wasn't really that big a deal. No, I'm just joking. The word, the word I said, <laughs> I'm just joking. The word I said offended them way more than any curse, curse word that they had ever heard. The four-letter word I used, L-O-V-E, love. Mm. And from that moment on, we realized that one of our major goals at the Holistic Life Foundation was going to be to embody love, to spread love, and just make it okay for people to say I love you to each other. Um, so we started to do this, and then we realized that love was the most powerful force in the universe. Love gives from itself and doesn't ask for anything in return. And love is just, it's, it's there all the time. All the time. Oh. Ali Smith. I did not know where that was going, and that was great. I know, you got nervous there, didn't you? No, oh, gosh, you didn't? not at all. Oh, no, you talked about the F-bomb, I figured I'd... No, I wasn't nervous. I just thought he was going to talk about he had to be the more thoughtful with yeah. kids and, and such. So but. that's a clip of Ali Smith, who's going to be here in uh, Chicagoland area in February. So. Yes, 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 yes. And so you can definitely still get a ticket if you go to, of course, you can go uh, to zenparentingradio.com um, and click on events, and you will see that there is registration for the conference. Our early bird special did end, but if you can get a group of three or more together, we can give you a discount. And if you get in touch with us um, because you're having any issues getting a ticket or you have any questions about getting a ticket, we can help you out, meaning we are creating a scholarship um, we can't help everybody out, but we're no. trying to find who needs scholarship. We also have, um, you know, opportunities like getting groups together to create a discount. So just instead of saying I can't do it, I can't afford it, Reach email out. us because our whole intention is to get you here. So we're not going to put obstacles in the way of that. We're going to figure out a way that we can still pay for this conference while at the same time getting people there. And that's the fine line or balance that Todd and I are trying to create. And if you can't get there, but you like the podcast and you have it has given you something over the last year or five years, however long you've been listening, there is an option on the checkout. So even if you're not going to the conference, we've already received some emails from some moms who can't afford to go. Yes. And we're trying to create this scholarship fund and it's called Zen Friend. Mm -hmm. And a portion of whatever it is that people get will give during through the Zen, Zen Friend checkout will go directly to the scholarship fund for people who cannot afford to go. And we actually got a Zen Friend just the other day. Nice. Penny gave uh, made a contribution into this Zen friend account. So right, thank you. if you're listening and you want to help us help others, um, become a Zen friend and go to zengetsreal.com, go to the checkout, even if you're not coming and you can make a investment contribution, donation, whatever you want to call it. Yes. And then lastly, our um, we have sponsors. So if you know of a business or you're part of a business and you want to either sponsor us or have a tabletop there, you can do that. One of our sponsors, one of the benefits or uh, pluses of becoming a sponsor is we give you a shout out on the podcast. So this week's shout out goes to Trinity Family Law. And what they do is they provide legal services that empowers people to build healthy new lives, prosper financially, and co-parent children effectively. Okay. So divorce attorneys. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the website, but I'm going to bring it up right now so I don't embarrass myself more than I am. TrinityFamilyLaw.com. I was just going to say, I think it's their name. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that's the deal on the um, Zen Gets Real. So 
Love, love. Now, sweetheart. Okay, so I've been getting a lot of emails in the last th- two days. How long has it been since I've been getting these Friday emails? night. And it's from and women. this is Sunday, so two days. Yeah, it's from women who um, listen to the show who are saying, Kathy, I hope you're going to talk about the comments that were made um, by our presidential candidate, um, on Friday or the comments that were released and I hope you're going to say something about it and you know people are uh, beside themselves these people who are emailing me are and there is this feeling of needing to connect a lot of dots here um I think we would have talked about this no matter what but I just wanted to give a shout out to all the people who emailed me um, who said, will you please just speak about this? And, and a lot of it is so, you know, it's like, how do we formulate our thoughts around something that's so challenging and overwhelming? Yeah. You know, when we have something that kind of, this has never been seen before, this kind of um, um, I'm wondering a, a if candidate you can, like this. Right. And I'm wondering if you could, because some people listen right away uh-huh. and somebody might be listening two years from now. Oh, so, uh, so Donald Trump was, uh, there was a tape released of him making comments about how he approaches women and how he uses his power to approach women. Yes. And it could, you, some people called it lewd. Um, some people refer to it as sexual assault. And that's what I want to explain. I want... Before I dive into that, I wanted to say that I'm I'm not we're not going to spend the whole show on this, but I wanted to kind of set a tone of how we can be more curious about each other and how we can be more curious about people's behavior and why it happens and then how it impacts people. I think what happens is when we get mad about something, we just throw all of our thoughts out there and then it's so easy for people to get defensive and come back at us, especially if the feelings we're having are angry, which is what we talk about on the show all the time, right? If you come at your kids with anger, they're going to come back with anger. If you come at your spouse with anger, they're going to come back. So how do we talk about this without trying to engage an argument, but instead engage a open dialogue and conversation? And for Todd and I, this has been easy because I know where Todd stands with all of this. And so he's, you know, it's not like he and I argue about this, but there is a male female component. Um, And so the first thing I wanted to say is I want to I want you to understand why people are calling this sexual assault. Um, the the whole idea of sexual assault is that somebody is abusing their power mm-hmm. and are using their power to overpower somebody else. And while many will listen to the comments that this candidate made and say, oh, that's locker room talk, that's no big deal, it, it, the comments were not just comments like, wouldn't it be funny if there was a, I do this all the time, this is what I do, and this is what I'm going to do. And, and, People may want to even argue with me about that. I don't know. But listen to it again. Right. Because he's saying, here's what I do. Here's what works. This is what I'm going to do again. And that, by definition, using your power to overpower someone else and take what you want is, the, by definition, a sexual assault. If it's in a sexual manner, which very obviously Yeah, it was, was all about trying to have sex with a woman that he doesn't know and or And taking what's, what he wants yeah. on his time. So, you know, a lot of people are arguing, no, it was just words, but can you understand how the language is admitting to I do this and saying that this is normal and then, of course, of another person going along with it, which is a whole nother thing. Um, I also want to say that, that again, it's this uh, two things that I've seen in this campaign um, – 
over the last couple months is at a lot of rallies uh, for Trump. I have seen shirts that say um, Trump that be, mm. which I'm trying not to use, you know, because I know sometimes kids are listening, but you guys know what I'm saying. T-shirts that say Trump that be. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Yeah. You know, um, and then unfortunately, I was at a festival this summer in August um, and I was with a girlfriend of mine and we were with our youngest, uh, her son and my daughter. And there was a man wearing a shirt that said, I want to F Hillary Clinton. Mm. So what I want to explain about that shirt is some people may say, oh, that's funny or he has a right to say it. But that is rape culture. Right. Because he's not saying I find her attractive or I'm hot for her, which is still inappropriate. What he's saying is I'm going to take my power back by doing that to her. Right. That by definition is a that is saying I am going to uh, be violent in this way. See, that's a misunderstanding we have is that that connection between sex and violence is we look at rape and we think it's just a sexual thing, but mm. it's a violent thing. Right. It's a power taking. It's an overpowering. So I'm just pointing those things out because this is not like, you know, this is not just about him, this candidate. This is about a culture that thinks it's okay to say and do that and then justify the language with things like that's just how boys talk. Right. I think that's the disconnect is the, you know, the the shirt that says something profoundly disgusting. Yes. Um, but a lot of those people will be like, well, it's just a shirt. Correct. And it doesn't that that person wearing that shirt would never do anything inappropriate. And I think what we want to kind of explain is how that shirt normalizes a mindset that is toxic. It influences a mentality. Yeah. And 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 like Todd just said, normalizes what men because then men say, well yeah, that's just what we say. And if that's what we say and if that's what we think, then that inevitably affects behavior. And that is what we pass down and we normalize. And I understand that there has been comments, you know, you know, times, Todd and I were talking about times that we've been in situations where people have been saying really awful things and maybe we haven't intervened. Every one of us has heard it. Even you as a woman has heard it. Not, not gauged against men. That's because that's the very fine line too, is a lot of people say women talk worse than men No, no. I'm thinking of your guy friend. Oh, yes, my guy. Who say yes. things inappropriately about women. About women. And I've been present for it. And you've it. been present uh-huh. and you kind of let it go because it's, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we've all been passively accepting of that. There have been yes. plenty of times that I've been passive. There's also been times I've spoken Where you up. speak up, yeah. correct. But enough times of being passive where there's no way I could cast judgment on anybody right, else. Right. I could never say, oh, you need to speak up every time because I have not. But I know as I've gotten older and as I've been very clear about what is important to me. I've been a lot more forthcoming. One thing I wanted to share on a personal note, and it took me a while to kind of come up with this, was how this kind of um, has affected me personally. And not not his comments, but how the culture I live in has affected me personally. And I think these are sometimes the things that, that men or maybe even other women, even though I think all women have been affected, and they've just kind of if not forgotten, it's yeah. been normalized to them too. Right. Um, 
because then we can have an understanding of how women view the world, okay? So a few things I wanted to say. Uh, when I was in um, – and this is not a full list, by the way. These yeah. are the things I felt I could talk about on the show. Right. You have more that is inappropriate or plenty. you just don't feel comfortable sharing for whatever reason. Yes. So when I was in about fourth grade, there was a couple of guys who um, for about three or four months bullied me and told me that if I did not spend time with them, call them my boyfriends and kiss them when they wanted to, that they would beat me up. And that went on for months and months until I finally broke down and my dad got involved. Yeah, you carried it because... All by myself. I was embarrassed. I felt that I really was going to get harmed. Um, I felt that... Maybe you were to blame for some of of it? Of course, because they would tell me I'd flirt with them. Right. And I could not bring this up to my parents because I knew it felt sexual in nature. Yeah. It felt... It was like a, it was something I could not explain, but I knew that I did not feel safe. Right. Okay. Um, when I was working at a very uh, respected organization when I was in my early 20s, um, there was a lot of people who said, you have to work with these men because they'll mentor you. And um, these men know this information. So you want to be part of these meetings. And I did start going to these meetings. And Um, at one point I walked out of the meeting and my boss, who was a woman, followed me to my office and said, Kathy, you have to start dressing differently. And I was wearing a skirt and I was wearing tight or nylons and I had on a regular blouse. She said, you're going to have to start wearing jackets because when you leave the room, everybody talks about your chest. Mm. Okay. So I was no longer safe in that room. And when I say safe, many of you will say, oh, they wouldn't touch you. They wouldn't say anything to you. It's about being emotionally safe. Yeah. It's about feeling as if I was being taken seriously, which I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was, um, and there was no blatant. I and again, anybody who knows me, I was I was not dressing. Yeah, I was dressing for work. Right. And I was told that I had to dress differently so the men wouldn't talk about me. Right. Okay. So that's another thing that happened. I used to ride the L. Um, home from work, and I can name three occasions where a man um, that I was sitting next to or close to decided to take out his, uh, genitalia. his genitalia so I could see. And again, I, of course, had to move, and most people blew it off. And even one time, there was a man who laughed. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of you will say, well, that's crazy, or why is that threatening? It is by nature a threat. Mm-hmm. It is somebody well, saying- Well, if they're capable of doing that, they're probably capable of doing, I mean, you don't know if they're capable of doing a lot more. And absolutely. And you don't know what it means. All you know is that somebody thinks that, that you should be looking at that and that they are getting either aroused by it or Mm -hmm. that something. And there was a time on the bus where I was standing up and, um, same kind of thing happened where the man I was holding on, I was in the front and I was holding on to, uh, uh, those of you who ride a bus, you know what I mean? The the whole, what is it called? Uh, the little the, hang, hanger thing the hanger off the bars. And the man who was sitting below me where I could only look decided to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, of course, had to get off three stops before my stop because I was, it, it was scary and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, there was when... <clears throat> I was living on a street in Chicago with three other girls, and there was a man who lived next door to us that every time we would walk by, he would stand at the window and either um, do either do something provocative to himself or at least um, show us himself. Mm-hmm. And it all went on for two weeks before we even shared it with each other. Mm. And when we all shared that he had done this to all of us, one of my girlfriend's boyfriend, it's now her husband, was there and said, are you guys crazy? Call the police. And what I want you guys to understand 
is that had become so normal in our lives that we thought somehow our options were to not talk about it and run away right. and not tell anybody that we didn't even realize that that's what you should do. That that's what we should do. Mm. Um, and then, you know, my last story that's more recent is about 10 years ago when I went to see a dermatologist and uh, he decided to spend the whole time rubbing my shoulders and talking to me. Mm. And I was in a robe. Yeah. So I share all that because I saw on um, uh Facebook and on Twitter that people were sharing a hashtag not okay and sharing their stories of being living in a culture where these kind of things are acceptable and okay and that people call it funny behavior or they laugh at it or maybe they've done it right um, uh, and they think it's normal behavior and I want you to understand how you're changing the way girls and women relate to the world and that there is fear in it um, it there is feeling unsafe no matter where we go. Um, there is a feeling that uh, of shame and that we're to blame. Um, and these are things that I think the majority of women have felt. And I'm just sharing, again, this very short list of a very long list of my life. That most women can come up with their own list. Absolutely. Absolutely. Most, if not all. All. I mean, in, and a lot of it, they, they would have to kind of look back and go, oh, wait, that was inappropriate yeah. or that was scary. But a lot of, again, culture had normalized it for yeah. them. And again, I think that quote that we talked about on uh, the show about two or three months ago of when you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression. And I know that a lot of men are very angry about someone calling Donald Trump's comments sexual assault or saying, you know, women talk just as bad or, you know, we need to get over it. It's just words. But I want you to understand it's more than that. I want you to understand that this is somebody who wants to um, have the, the most important job in our entire country. And I feel like men should have if if men do do this occasionally that maybe they have there's a higher role model mm -hmm. something to you know to want to be like yeah. and for women i think women have the right to be safe in this country they have the right to know that the commander in chief has their back and that you know i feel that way with the president we have now and it's and he's male mm -hmm. so i feel that that is kind of that's the issue there's a sense Women deeply, down deep, we all have this sense of being unsafe. Right. And that can be historical. That can be because of our own personal traumas. Um, that can be- Combination of both. Combination of all of the above. But when people say it's no big deal, I want you to understand, and this is men and women, that it is a big deal. And it's not just words. And if you, in, and it's a collection of these experiences, not just one person. It's a, it, it's bigger. So I, my hope is, is instead of deciding, um, making this really about a, a, a presidential race, you know, we actually were taping this on Sunday, so we don't know how everything went on Sunday night. And I think it, if I was to guess, it's because there's ugly. a debate. Yeah, there's a debate. And I think it's going to not be great. Um, I think it's going to go low. Um, is, can we become more curious about these things and maybe instead of telling people how to feel, can we ask questions about why we feel this way? And instead of yelling at people and making it all about all men or all women, can we just listen to each other and believe each other and, and understand that there's a reason why things trigger us? Um, so 
I just want to say that, you know, uh, that a lot of people are saying we need, you know, I was reading online that people are saying, if this is not normal to you, or if you're offended by this, you're not living in the real world. Let's change the real world. Well, then then let's try and not do that anymore. That's kind of the whole point of this show is instead of doing status quo, if it hurts people, instead of just doing what our parents did, if it really didn't work for us, instead of um, trying to do the same thing over and over and over again, which is the definition of insanity, if you're not changing anything, let's maybe make a a switch. Let's listen to each other. Let's... Let's recognize what what each of us want for ourselves is what we should want for other people. We should want people to feel safe and feel valued and feel loved. Everybody deserves that. There's nobody that doesn't. Yeah. Well, and it's so easy to, you know, demonize whatever this presidential candidate and say, and, you know, as a man, oh, I would never talk like that or whatever. And that may be true. Um, but you've certainly been an observer of that type of discussion. And I, I think it's just too easy just to say, this candidate is not somebody that I subscribe to, so I'm gonna disregard it. Instead, you know, look at your own life and your own surroundings and your own environment and see what role, if any, do you play? Maybe it's overly passive. Maybe you're yeah. not saying something that you should say, or, you know, because, you know, whenever stuff like this happens, you get all these, like, I think of like these mama bears and they just come out and they're just, it, it hits you at the core. Yeah. And for us males, men who have sisters and daughters and mothers and all that, we kind of have a disregard like, well, this isn't about me. It's about them. So let them fight their own fight. This is about all of us for one thing. But then it's also about the ones that we love most, our our immediate relatives and for us to as men who are in the position of power to stand on the sidelines and and not speak up or fight against insert whatever word you want to use mm-hmm. is a disservice to our fellow people out there that's what i was going to say is a lot of people and and i completely agree with you todd i'm not but there is a point that people have been making about men keep saying well what if this was your daughter what was this what if this was your wife this is just about human beings yeah let's not but if but if that doesn't motivate them yeah. if if the human being comment doesn't motivate them then you got to dig you get, need to get closer to what makes them tick and then you got to go to their daughters and their moms yeah. and their sisters of course yeah humankind rah rah let's do, do all be in this together but that doesn't motivate certain people yeah. well, so then you need to you need to reframe what it is that we're talking about and think about your daughter what if some of these occasions that Kathy just described happened to your daughter and how would you respond to that because i think a lot of times we just kind of deal with it at arm's length. And I'm, I'm guilty of that. Sometimes I'm like, well, this ain't my battle to fight. Well, it is. It's all of our battles to fight. So, And we keep trying to do it on this very micro level where, you know, Todd always talks about it drives him crazy when guys are like, I'm going to get a shotgun for the, for the guy who takes my daughter out. Well, what about the whole, what about the macro? Mm-hmm. If you don't want guys treating your daughter poorly, then we as a whole, as a society have to decide what that there is misogyny and that saying things about women like that is not okay, then that will trickle down to these boys that you want to threaten with a shotgun. But if we continue to live in a culture where we say, oh, that's just what boys do, except when it comes to my family, that's crazy. And and I say, I'm not calling a person crazy. It's just expanding the, the mind of 
look at this from that big picture. We want things to go a certain way in our lives, but we want to just do whatever we want. Right. And that's it doesn't work that way. We're completely interconnected. We have to want that kind of love for everybody. We can we have to have a sense of equality, not just based on whether you're man or woman, but whether you're a human being. And I know, Todd, that that won't reach everybody, but eventually it it needs to. Yeah. That that instead of looking at me in a room as a certain gender, it's can this per you know it's there's no difference yeah. except for the gender. Um, and this has been a long time coming and, and it's not about a presidential race. What I feel is the presidential race has brought it to the surface. Right. Yeah. And it allows it, us to talk about it. Well, and we have talked about this probably on a million different podcasts, but I, um, did a quick search on zenparentingradio.com cause there's a little search thing and I found three of them. So if this, topic is something that is interesting to you and you want to revisit a previous podcast, we did three of them. One is what, the title of it was, What is Sexual Assault? Healthy Masculinity, Healthy Femininity. That's that's what we called it. And it was podcast number 313. The second one is, oh no, actually, I just lied to you. The The title of the podcast is Healthy Masculinity, Healthy Femininity, Podcast 313. The second one is called Domestic Abuse, Is the NFL Sending the Right Message? And that was podcast number 186. And then lastly, we did one called Anxiety and Gender Equality, um, podcast number 194. So um, that's just a resource for you all. If, if this is something that you want to continue to hear Kathy and I chat about, we address these similar topics on these three podcasts. And I think if I was going to wrap this all up, the two words that really speak to me, me the most when it comes to politics or when it comes to anything, when it comes to people or people I want to be talking to or the kind of work I want to do or the world I want to live in is decency and diplomacy. Decency means that we do our best to bring our best selves to any situation. All of us have negative thoughts. All of us have thought lewd things. All of us have had those shadow pieces of ourselves that, you know, that we wrestle with. But decency means you do your best to bring your best self to the world and to other people. This whole idea of, well, I've thought those things or he says what I'm thinking or I understand that because that's what we do sometimes is we look at someone and we say, oh my gosh, they're saying these things that I try and not say in my everyday life. But there's probably a reason why you're not saying them in your everyday life, because it would hurt people right. and because it would divide us and because it would separate us. We do have shadow parts of ourselves that take us to that lowest common denominator. But is that what we're going to bring to the surface? And is that going to be who we are? Right. And diplomacy is the ability to talk through these things. You know, can we have the ability to solve problems through discussion and through communication and interaction? Because something I'm guilty of is, you know, somebody I disagree with, whomever it is, I will, you know, incorrectly say, oh, these people are crazy. And then I just detach. You and, write them off. Yeah. And that does not get us any closer to fixing it. Exactly. So we need to have a discussion, just like we talk, we talk about with our kids. Like you need to have a discussion. It's not discipline, it's discussion. Well, this is another example where discussion is the only way, Diplo you know, diplomacy between countries. You got to be talking to these people. And if I just dismiss them as crazy people, that's not going to help anybody. We need to be discussing, but also listening. Right. This is what, you know, this whole discussion about women and, and what comments are made about women. We need to be listening to what women have to say about that and how that's affected their lives instead of deciding for them that it shouldn't or hasn't affected them. 
That's not fair. Yeah. This is what Black Lives Matter is about. Hear us. Listen to us. Hear our stories instead of telling us why we shouldn't have these stories. We've got to listen. And the listening and then the caring is what creates the change, not the overpowering and telling everybody how to feel and saying it should go back to the way it was however long ago. It was never really working then. That was just stronger oppression. Now there's things that are rising to the surface where it's time to look and it's time to listen and it's time to care. And that is so different than time to fight, you know? Um, And I understand where people say, no, I'm fighting. And you do, you know, it's, I'm not saying one is bad. I'm just saying as a, as a nation, if we can just care about each other instead of needing to win. Yeah. And, um, you know, let's go high. Yeah. Instead of low. Always. All right. Thank you. So um, the second partner of ours is John J. Kelly Dentistry. Uh, comprehensive dentistry on the northwest side of Chicago. The website is chicagodentistonline.com. We are all going there tomorrow and getting our teeth cleaned, sweetheart. Are you excited? Um, sh- you know, sure. I like getting my teeth cleaned. Um, it's funny. I don't, but after I'm done, I f- I'm glad I did it. And then usually uh, he says, no cavities for me, and then you probably have one. I had one last year, if you remember correctly. You know why I like it? Because I just get to lay there and I don't have to talk or anything. You have to uh, brush your teeth more and floss them more, sweetheart. Oh, my gosh, stop. All I, I floss. I'm not, I don't get the cavities like the way you do, sweetheart. Okay, I, sometimes Tad comes to bed and doesn't brush his teeth, and I'm like, what's the issue there? What's the deal? What's the deal? You brush your teeth, you should do it twice a day. Yeah, well, sometimes twice, sometimes once. No, twice. And then I floss every day. And Todd doesn't floss. You don't have to floss all your teeth, sweetie. Just, Just the, the ones, ones you, you want to keep. keep. Uh, so that's John J. Kelly Dentistry. Um, our This is a quick side note. I want to give hats off to the Mall of America. Wow, that's random. You want to know why? Why? Because it's been open on Thanksgiving since 2012, but the mall officials told the AP it wants to offer workers time with their families. Ah. So they're going to be closed. And the Mall of America is like one of the biggest shopping centers in the world. Uh-huh. And the whole place is closing on Thanksgiving, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but sadly it is because it's been open and everybody's... Expecting it, counting on it. Right. So the mall will reopen at 5 a.m. on Friday after Thanksgiving, but at least the workers don't have to go to work on Thanksgiving. So um, I just wanted to give them a quick shout out. And then the other thing is a couple people have mentioned this to us, but we're trying to develop kind of like a top 10 list of podcasts that you like. I'm talking about Zen Parenting Radio podcast. And a few of the people have sent us their list, even if it's one or two or three different of our previous podcasts. So it doesn't have to be a top 10. No, it doesn't have to be. If you can only come up with three, that's fine. But go ahead and send us an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and tell us uh, which ones work the best for you. So that's the name of that tune. Um, You ready for my stuff? Sure. So I was cleaning the garage today. And when I clean the garage, I listen to podcasts. And I was listening to a podcast called Motley Fool Money. I listen to it every Saturday, actually. And it's usually a podcast about money, but this time they interviewed Daniel Pink. And Daniel Pink is an author, a New York Times bestseller. He wrote a book called Drive. He wrote a bunch of books. And he has one of the most famously viewed TED Talks also. It's about motivation. So I want to play a, it's like a two and a half minute clip. I'm going to break it up. So we're going to stop in the middle and just chat about what he's saying. 
but it's in regards to motivating our children. He actually works in the professional world and trying to help companies motivate employees. But in this case, he talks about motivating our children. So in this example, he's talking about how to get his 17-year-old daughter to clean their room. And the reason I bring this up is because yesterday, I'm not going to name which one, but I was triggered because one of our kids happened to spend a lot more time on looking at his screen than I would have liked her to. And I told Kathy this morning, I just said, I just want you to know, sweetie, that I'm struggling with this. And that usually means I need you to help me with this because if I do it, I won't do it well. I'm too frustrated. So you kind of lighten it up a little bit. Originally, you and I talked to her and then you talked to her afterwards. Do you want me to talk about that first or did you want to play? Can I talk about that first? Because the clip kind of goes another place. Sure. So it kind of goes another place, but he does talk about being intrinsically motivated. Yes. Is that on there? Yep. And I think the thing that is really important to remember when we're talking to our kids about things that aggravate us is instead of speaking to the aggravation and how they need to not aggravate us, which is really just saying to them, I want to control you, do things that won't aggravate me, which no kid is going to be like, okay. I won't. I mean, maybe they'll say that, but really they're just annoyed at you because there's a feeling of not being accepted or understood. And that doesn't mean then leave it there and let them do whatever they want, but you've got to appeal to their higher sense. You have to talk to them about what it's, the reason I'm aggravated is my own thing, but let me talk to you about why I get triggered. Like me handling my aggravation is one thing, but the reason that I was able to share with my daughter at least why I was aggravated that screen time was such a big deal is we were with a lot of different people during the day, all of them people we love, all of them family members, and there was almost like a disconnecting and a numbing from the experience where I felt like whenever there was a feeling of boredom and maybe adult conversation, she was then retreating to the phone or to a TV show. Yeah, And so... She would say, you know, and I think any kid would say, well, I'm bored, so I should then do something to keep myself busy. And what I started talking to her about is it's okay sometimes, even when that feeling of boredom to come comes up, to not automatically or fast, you know, in a quick way, try and avoid that feeling and then all of a sudden numb out with a show. Right. It's okay when adults are having conversation to observe that conversation. It's okay to maybe walk around. It's okay to, maybe you don't understand how the game that you're watching out on the field is played, but to figure it out. And and I think that's the thing that I was trying to let her know is that that feeling of boredom doesn't need to be your guide. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to direct you toward your screen. That instead, when you feel the boredom and you feel like you want to just numb it out and, you know, and maybe then become curious, like, and say, okay, well, what can I do here besides this? And what she was doing was taking the path of least resistance, yes. which is I'm going to, you know, I zone, don't like this feeling zone out on my phone or a TV close by or whatever, mm-hmm. because, you know, to your point yesterday, we spent a lot of time with family. We watched my nephew play a football game. She doesn't like football. So she just kind of got lost in her phone. And, you know, meanwhile, like this anxiety, frustration just kind of slowly builds for in, in me mm-hmm. over the course of the day. And, but the reason I don't say anything, cause I, I'm sure a lot of people be that are listening are like, dude, say something. Mm-hmm. I don't respond when I'm in that place because I have a feeling I'm going to say something I regret. Mm-hmm. I need to figure out how to speak from a calm place. 
And if I do it out of sheer frustration, I'm not going to be very happy with myself. And I know she's not going to be happy with me. The message won't be relayed in the best it way won't. possible. It's, it's the lecture. It's, it's when you thought when you were a kid, you remember your dad yelling at you or your mom screaming at you or, or shaming you or whatever. I don't want to do that. So many of the times I just shut up and then I come talk to you after so we can figure out the best strategy. And what I want to do, because I was with Todd, I agreed with him completely. I, I, I wasn't as frustrated. I'm not as triggered by it as Todd is, but I understood why he felt the way he did. And when I approached her, she and I had three or four different conversations today. But the other one that I had with her was about that the most important thing in life, no matter what, and, and even though she may not fully embrace this yet, is connection to other people. Mm-hmm. And I said, part of the phone is connecting with other people. And that's what makes the phone really great. I said, but there's another part of connecting with other people that can only be done like face to face. It can't be done. And especially when you're with family, because you don't see this, all these people all the time. And that if you miss those opportunities, they're gone. And that this is like, you know, one thing that's really important to your dad and I and to our family culture is that when we're with people we love, we give them our attention. And not that, you know, the lecture isn't phones are bad, you're bad, you shouldn't be on the phone, your brain is being fried. It's instead giving them an understanding of why we're saying, can you put the phone down for a little bit? Well, and it's not like these are family members that live next door. Right. We see them once a week, sometimes once a twice, month. A, twice yeah. a month. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyways. And, and that I feel like she heard mm-hmm. and not in a guilt way, but like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, like she loves these people too. And the fact, the two pieces together, when you feel that sense of boredom, question it. Does it really mean you need to escape? And number two, um, can you understand how if you miss these opportunities, if you're completely, you know, you're watching friends on your, your, you know, Kindle, then you're missing this time with people that you don't get back. And so it's like, and can there be a balance that then in the car on the way home, you watch a show or it's not that you can't have technology. And that's where we get lost, where we start to take away their phones. It's like in screenagers, we did the screening and one of the more powerful parts of that screening was when the therapist or whatever she, he or she was, was trying to help the grandma who was struggling. And she said, the last thing you want to do is completely take away this technology because it turns into resentment and everything else. But you can decrease. But you decrease it. You limit it. Yes. But I think a lot of times we get so mad, we're like, I'm taking this away. Right. Done. Done. And you think that you're teaching them a lesson and the only lesson you're teaching them is that they're going to hate you for a little while. Or that it's going to backfire on you in another way. If there's not an understanding, again, I want to backtrack on that, though there are some parents who have had conversations with their kid to a point where they've said, now I have to take it away because you've lost, you haven't followed the contract or there's a way to, it's not that taking away the phone equals bad, but there has to be some kind of a process process or a conversation. Because if you go from 60 to zero or zero to 60, because yeah, maybe you do limit this child by a certain amount and then all of a sudden they're completely ignoring or disregarding, then maybe it gets to that point. Right. So we're not saying, you know, that you can't do that, but, you know, and it's funny. Let's let's listen to okay, this clip because he yeah. talks, Daniel Pink is a big proponent of the research of what motivates people. Correct. And it's a, he has a TED Talk that's wonderful. This interview that's on Motley Fool podcast, Motley Fool Money podcast is wonderful. So it's about two and a half minutes. I think I'll stop in the middle just to break it up and we can chat about it. Um, but he's talking about how to get his 17-year-old daughter to want to clean her room or to get her room clean. The um, 
uh, let's say you want to get her to, to clean up her room. Now, uh, how many of you are parents out here? Okay, so you've seen this movie before. Okay, so what do you, what do, you do? So what, you can, what do you do? So you're frustrated. So you start, your instinct, you, in some ways your muscle memory is to say, is to yell, is to threaten, is to do something coercive. Uh, sometimes people are, you know, okay, we'll bribe you. And those kinds of things might work in the short term. But, but this technique... Um, which is really interesting. It's actually a technique. It's, it's a technique called motivational interviewing. It's something that's used actually in, in therapy, and it goes like this. So you ask two seemingly irrational questions. So on the first question, you say, I probably should not have picked my own daughter for this, but I'm, I'm already down that rabbit hole. So you say, um, Eliza, um, um, on a scale of 1 to 10... How ready, this is the first question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how ready are you to clean your room? Okay. Now, she's likely to give an answer of 2. Okay? Now, those of you who are, all of you raise your hands, all of you who are parents, your blood is boiling already, right? Because you want to say, a 2? You know, okay, so, but you hold back. Okay, Eliza, you're a 2. Here comes. All right. So anything, I just didn't want to spend too much time in one clip. So do you want to... I was going to say, he's going to go for it. Yes, but, he is. Well, I, two things I wanted to say. Number one is that his point about muscle memory, um, we could call it, the what I always envision when we're using old tools is a... Um, a very well-worn road in our brain, a neural pathway in our brain that we have used so many times, probably because it was used with us. And so it got ingrained really deep. And then we used it and used it and used it. And it's like the best path in the forest. You know, we just go straight for it. And what Todd and I were discussing as we were discussing Daniel Pink's work was how there's so much great research out there now. And, you know, all this stuff we try and talk about on the show um, we try and bring this research to you about self-compassion and about empathy and about how real people really create change in their lives and how we cr- create happiness. But these are all practices. And we know this now through research, but we're unwilling to question that deep neural pathway in our brain. We think it feels so comfortable and right. What did you say in the car? We always... Oh, we, fall, we, go, we go towards the familiar. We go toward the familiar. Versus in- what is right. So uh, maybe an example. I, I don't know if I can come up with a good example now, but we're hardwired to go to what we're, you, you know, the way we were brought up, mm-hmm. you know, like with this kid of ours that we're talking about regarding screen technology is instead of me try to motivate her with this technique, I go to what my dad would have done to mm-hmm. me when I was little because I was hardwired to do that. You were taught, and the hardwiring, again, let's talk about, I got to say this just in case people are listening to this for the first time, hardwiring is, can make you think that it can't be changed. No. Hardwiring, what Todd means is that it's it's a neural pathway that has been created in your brain, or as Daniel Pink says, a muscle memory that's so strong, it almost becomes instinctual or habitual. But the truth is we have neuroplasticity in our brain and we can make new choices and have practices that can change and alter and at least help us question that muscle memory. You know, like that's the, you know, if we take a second and actually say, is this the best choice? Like, let me go just very quickly go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Like a lot of us will say, well, this is what men do. This is what women do. It's just the way it is. I'm hardwired that way. Yep. Take a step back for a minute 
And is that really the way you want things to be? Is that really the way you want to talk to people or about people? Is that really the way you want the society to be? And if it isn't, you can. That's not hardwired to a point where you can't, you know, switch around some screws in there. Yeah. You know, things can be changed. And so I just wanted to mention that, you know, that even though that may be our most natural place that we go, that all of this research gives us this tremendous opportunity to practice something more compassionate and something more motivating. Mm-hmm. This is not just about being touchy-feely and lovey. Daniel Pink's about to share yeah. that this actually is more motivating. Yes. So this is the second half. So you got the first question, which is uh, how likely, what, what, what is, how ready are you to clean your room? On a scale from one to 10. Scale to one to 10. That's the second question. This is the big deal. This is the, this is the major key right here. Second question is this. Okay, Eliza, you're two. Why didn't you pick a lower number? Okay, now, what's going on here? So, all this, so why aren't you a one? So Eliza might have to say, well, you know, I'm 17 and, you know, I should be able to take care of myself. You know, when I lose stuff, you and mom never know where anything is. Um, you know, I might be able to get to school faster and not have to race out of the house every morning. And then I could actually sort of be a little bit more mellow when I got to school and maybe do a little studying before I got to school and see my friends. And so what's happening there? She begins articulating her own reasons for doing something. And what's axiomatic here is that when people have their own reasons for doing something, they believe those reasons more deeply, adhere to the behavior more strongly. And so this goes to some of the ideas in Drive, which is that... You- All right, so that's the deal. So what he just described is something that is very elusive for me as a dad to try to bestow upon. My, my goal as a dad is for my daughters to become intrinsically motivated, mm-hmm. not to do the carrot and the stick, which Daniel Pink talks about at the beginning of this podcast, but... I want them to want to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to do it because they're scared of me or they're going to get a reward from me. I want them to want to do it. So what he just did was he described a technique that is really hard for me to nail down. And the fact that I happen to be listening to this podcast is such a gift. And I hope I remember to use this. And you could say, well, it's just a technique, but it's more than that. Mm-hmm. This is a vehicle to apply intrinsic motivation for your it's kids. The, it's a vehicle to motivate intrinsic motive because you're yes. not really applying it to them. You're not like giving it to them. You're asking them to question themselves. Right. So you're creating a conversation without their defensiveness because if Todd said, what makes you not want to clean your room? Mm-hmm. They're going to... Forget come, it. They're, they're done. They're going to dig their heels in and that's the way it is. And kind of this morning, like I don't feel like it did a really good job with our child. And I, I believe me, I'm going to have plenty of more uh, opportunities, opportunities yeah. to with all three of my girls to do something like this. So I hope to use it, but it's kind of, you know, my bullet point uh, number brain, I, I want to be able to have two questions to ask them. And one is, are you ready to clean your room? And ask them what, on a scale of one to 10, and then to ask them, you know, why are you, why aren't you a one instead of a two or whatever you give? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just think it's a, a wonderful tool in our parenting toolbox. And it creates a conversation because that's really what we're trying to do is we're trying to 
have that sense of this is still going to need to be done. Mm-hmm. And again, this is, as we say on every show, these are the points that people miss when it comes to talking to your kids or communicating with your kids about these things. It's not about letting them off the hook. It's about how to approach these things in a way where you can actually help them understand why it's good for them rather than do carrot and stick the rest of their lives. Yeah. Because there's going to be a point when you're not there. He talks about this is the carrot and the stick works in the short term for very simple tasks. Very ABC. ABC. Yes. But uh-huh. when it comes to, you know, trying to guide a child into the world, mm-hmm. you're not going to do it with a carrot and a stick. You have to do it with the intrinsic motivation. And what people think is they think, oh, this carrot and stick isn't working. I'm going to get three carrots and four sticks. Yeah. And they keep trying to apply the same thing with a heavier hand. Yes. And it's not working. It's not working. And so instead, we need to, again, back up, back up, back up, and recognize that there's a way that we can look at this and have a conversation with our kids to to connect with their higher version of themselves, mm-hmm. the self that isn't in the defensive, putting on the mask, I can't stand you, my parents mode, but the place of like, yeah, life would be easier if my room was clean. Um, how can I figure that out in my own time to do that? How do I phrase this question in terms of the screen technology? Because I'm honestly stuck. Like, how do I use this technique in terms of the example that we gave that we experienced this morning? Like, child, are you ready to, um, how ready are you to not be on your screen all day? No, I don't think you can apply this directly. I think it, it, this is good for some things, but I think that the conversation that I was just explaining that I had with her was less about let me test you with this new thing I have. Well, you can't, the minute they think that you're using a new technique, you've lost it. Well, and that's, so you got to sneak it in. That's what I was going to say, Todd, is you're, if you're going to really use this. I know, this, but sometimes I, parents, we get stuck in a moment because now I give plenty of time to prepare when these moments happen. And I need to get good at using this tool right? because I think it's important because my, my, my tool that I'm using right now is frustration and blame and getting mad. Well, and I would say the tool would be, which I think you're handling in this pretty well, is you do get frustrated and mad. And so you talk to me about it and we talk through it, but it's getting below what you're mad about. Are you mad about that? She's not honoring and obeying you because that's old school. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that is what we're mad about. And we got to oh, be sure. honest that's about a, that's it. A, that's an element. There's another element that I'm, I'm scared for her uh, inability to become social because she's gone. She ran away to a screen all day yesterday. And so like, stop right there. That's good. So you're like, really what my fear is, is part of it is I wish I could control her more, which, you know, you can't do that with people. I mean, you can think you can and you can think because of what I'm doing, I'm controlling my child. But in the long term, this is not going to help them create decisions on their own um, or come up with decisions on their own. The... um, the the issue that you just said is I'm worried mm-hmm. that she's disconnecting from people and that she's going to run to a screen. That's where you go is instead of telling her why screens are bad and why she should feel ashamed and guilty, you say, yesterday I was really worried because we were with our family and every time you were bored, you went straight to a screen. And it worries me for two reasons. Number one, because... I want you to know you can be with us. And number two, because these people really do want to see you. And this is what's most important. See, I think that you're absolutely right. But what does a kid say to that? If I said that to her, she'd be like, okay. But the Daniel Pink technique is help me understand why, like the two, the, the one to 10 thing 
is powerful because they themselves say that I'm a two or a three. Well, how come you're not a one? Like that is a question that they can answer and it gives them some ownership and it gives them some validation that, you know what, I'm not a one. There are some parts of this that I shouldn't be that I should have a clean room or that I shouldn't be okay. glued to a screen. How about that? See, and again, this is just the difference between you and I because I like an expansive, open conversation. You want a practical guy. Yes. And I don't need that. Right. But some of our listeners and Absolutely. me and I do and too. And that's fine. So with that said, why don't you say, how do you feel like you did with screen technology yesterday on a scale from one to 10? Okay. And she'll say a three. Okay. And then go both ways. Say, why didn't you say a 10 and why didn't you say a one? Mm-hmm. And then you, the why didn't you say a one gives her an opportunity to say when she really was making choices that she felt really good about. Right. And then it gives you an opportunity to notice those. Yeah, there you go. That's good. And That's then what I need. If she, and if you say, why didn't you say a 10, then it gives her an opportunity to say where there's some growth potential. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. All right. All right. I feel a little better. Okay. Because there were plenty of times there was, you're, because you're annoyed, I'm focusing on the only focusing times on, where right. she wasn't, but of course she was interacting of with course. her fam- with she her family. She was playing and eating dinner with us and she was, but what we, I'll, I'll put it in quotes, worry about, or what's really triggering that in us mm-hmm. is not, it, it's the, I want her, or at least for me. I want her to know when that feeling of boredom comes that she doesn't have to escape. Yeah. She could maybe become curious about what's happening around her and that a lot of times my kids will say, but adult conversations are boring. But guess how you learn how to be in an adult conversation? You watch adults have conversations. Right. And and you know, the other thing about screen technology is if I had this device accessible to me when I was eight years old or twelve years old exactly. or whatever. Exactly. The fact that we literally have almost the whole world at our fingertips at every any show any bit of information any joke any doesn't matter it's all compl- it's so tempting yep and that's a great end of conversation with her when you're wrapping up say well i'll tell you something i know you're thinking you're at a three and i was getting frustrated but if when i was your age if i had access to everything it would be tough for me too and i think for the times that you're at that one two or three i want to give you props yeah you know like we can note we we can't sit here and say oh i would do this if i were them or we can't apply our childhood and say well i was in the trees all the time and i was outside if you would have had access to what they have access to, it would have been challenging. And that's where, and I'll use what Devorah said to us a couple weeks, Devorah Heitner, who wrote ScreenWise, she said that's where parental wisdom comes in. They may have more access and understanding of technology, yeah. but we bring parental wisdom, not parental anger yeah. and ignorance, but wisdom, like, listen, connection, love, um, the ability to have an adult conversation or be present for one, the ability to um, to sit with discomfort sometimes. These are things we know in our highest selves right. are extremely important. So, All right. I feel good. Okay. I feel good. Na, 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 na. Um, so uh, we got some iTunes reviews. Okay. Thank you to Liquid Addict. They said that we are the best parenting podcast, and it's short. It says, I'm a male in my 30s who's going to become a father in the next couple of weeks, and I've been listening to ZP Podcasts in preparation. Such wisdom here and priceless advice about being a parent and for life in general. Thank you for the work you do. Oh, thank you, and congratulations. Let us know when that baby comes. And then the other one, they called us awesome, five stars. And it says, I appreciate the raw honesty and respectful nature of this podcast. Great tips delivered in a positive manner. Thank you. So... First of all, we have 293 ratings. So we're cool. seven away from 300. So 200 I'm and what? 93 
ratings. Okay, seven away. Okay, we're seven away from the big three oh oh. Um, we got one two star review. We got six four star reviews, and we got two hundred eighty six five star reviews. Why are you reading these? Because I just want to say thank you oh, to okay. our listeners. Got it. Um, it's just Todd doesn't like that two star review. Travis. <laughs> Travis I bet he doesn't us. listen anymore. That was in the first year. It was in the first year. I, I just, um, I don't know. What are the, I just, I'm humbled by that. Yes. That's all. Yes, that is nice. I appreciate so that So thanks to all of our listeners who have given us an iTunes review. And uh, go ahead and help us get to 300. Hopefully we'll get to 300 sooner rather than later. And as long as we're talking about why we're asking, it's not just so Todd can read them and we can pat ourselves on the back. If there are reviews in iTunes, it creates an algorithm that allows people to find the podcast. You really can't do self-promotion on iTunes. There's no way. So it becomes we become more accessible right. the more um, reviews we have. So it's really our, our only method, right? Right. Well, and, and honestly, the best way for us to spread the message is our listeners telling a friend. Yes, true. That's really what it is. So I would rather have you tell a friend than give us a review. But if you're, if you're into giving reviews, we'll take that too. Sure. Um, and then a quick plug to my own business, which is toddadamscoaching.com. Check it out. I coach guys. I know that. Coaching for guys. <laughs> and then I am also hosting with my partner in crime, Frank, the Men's Adventure Retreat on January 20th through the 22nd. It's uh, two and a half days of guys getting together, having fun, connecting with nature, unplugging from their cell phones. Uh, engaging in authentic conversation. So I hope if you're a guy, you would consider joining us. Um, and that website is thetribemensgroup.com. But you could always email us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. You know, I was talking to a woman um, earlier last week, and we were talking about how um, she has a husband who, again, it's kind of a long story, but basically her husband works really hard and does a lot for the family. And her, the his wife is his rock. And he depends on her for everything. And he does have male friends from past, but really not a lot of male friends who are, are present for yeah. him that he could like pick up the phone and call and say, can I talk to you? Yeah. Like, you know, no, can we go out for a beer it's tonight? It's rare that a man has a guy like that and has the guts to make that, that phone, phone call, call and has a guy that would receive that phone call and be ready to to help and right. support. So. And that's kind of what I think about when she was telling me that story. I don't, I don't always, I'm not always pushing the tribe because I don't want it to be some kind of sales thing. But I think to myself, um, that's what I think about your group is it's not just about the retreat. It's about what happens after, which is you guys go on the retreat and then the men who go home know that they have these phone numbers. So if they are struggling, they have men who get it, who know them in a way that maybe even some of their closest friends don't. Yeah. Um, that's what I hear about in women's circle all the time is not every in women's circle. It's not a social thing where everybody there hangs out together socially. Yeah. We all kind of come from different places and then we get to a place where everybody can talk openly and sometimes it's easier that way. Well, the more I learn about men and masculinity, um, I think what happens a lot is that um, we soften as we get older, yeah, we yeah. become more open, we become more vulnerable and all I'm trying to do is let's start that earlier Let's yeah. not wait until we're 65 to do that or mm -hmm. 75 or 85. Mm -hmm. If you're a 35-year-old man, you can 
become soft and open up to others or a 45-year-old man. So that's kind of one of the reasons I kind of started Because it's all this. a mask to begin with. It's not like we right. soften because we get old. It's because we start to realize wearing the mask is so crazy. Well, it's like Rob said. Um, Rob Bell? You got nothing to prove. You got nothing to prove. Like, And gosh, you know, we're at this point now raising kids. We need each other. Like, we just need to know that there's someone we can call and can support us and that, you know, I'm going to go back to my two words that I talked about at the beginning. Decency. Can we have decent and and connected conversations? And diplomacy. Can we talk about things that are difficult without having to fight with each other? Can we actually have conversations? And I believe, I know, I don't just believe it. I know it's possible. And so every time something gets brought up in our country or in our school or in, you know, micro or macro and people get in such a fight, I'm like, we're not hearing each other. Yeah. I like, I feel like the kid in the middle with my hands over my ears going, la, la, yeah. <laughs> like, let's stop and listen. Just be cool, man. Um, so I, we were going to talk about um, social uh, networking, social media and uh, streaks on what you call it. Oh, what? well, how much time do no, we have? No, we're not going to talk about oh, okay. it. Okay. But if we did, I was going to play some clips from old school. Woo! Come on! We're streaking! Come on! Come on! We're running! Come on! Woo! No, I'm sorry. Sorry, we're going, we're going streaking through the quad. Through the quad. the gymnasium. Come on, everybody! Come on! Snoop! Snoop-a-loop! snoop No, it's cool. It's cool. I'm cool. Bring, bring your green hat. Let's go. Come on, everybody. We're going. And then the last one. Actually, I gave this to you for your uh, wedding. <laughs> this model? <laughs> um, no, this, this exact one. This exact one. So these are lines from old school. Well, let me, since you said that, I'm not going to go into a big thing. I know we're ending, but the reason that Todd found those is I was talking about how there was this article about uh, streaks and Snapchat. And for those of you who have kids who have Snapchat, you'll know that streaks are a thing that kids are always trying to uphold and that it's really important to them and that they never want to leave their phone for even a day because they have to keep their streaks going. And we were joking with JC about how streaking meant something very different to us yes. in our generation yes because we were streaking through the quad actually i never streaked through did the you? gymnasium through the gymnasium i did in college and we you and i both you did mm-hmm. you did mm-hmm. i we went to college together yeah you weren't there when it happened why did you do that why not well let me ask i was born way. naked sweetie i know we all were but let me go back on that question where were people did they see you yeah where? I mean, not not Give a bunch. Me, like, was on it Greek relays? Street. It was on Greek Street. It was on Greek Street. Okay, how old were you? How old was I? I was a senior. Okay, so I was gone. Yeah, you were gone. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. What was that? Once it hits your lips, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> wow. That's really loud. Yeah, thanks. Took the restrictor plate off, give the Red Dragon a little more juice. But uh, let's keep that on the down low. It's not exactly street legal. Todd, I can't believe you're not playing the quote from our show. That is, that's where we got it, you know. Oh. Did you know that's where it's from? I know where that's where We'll keep trucking. Keep trucking is yeah. from old I, school. I couldn't find it on here. Really? Stuff like that. Maybe Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. So I have a really good question for our audience as we close the show. Um, we've been going long, like an hour and six minutes. Our podcasts just kind of have organically gone long. Yeah, we're, we don't watch. And what I'm thinking of doing um, is possibly breaking some of these longer ones up into two. 
No. And it would, I just, I don't want people to not listen because it's quite a commitment when you see an hour and six long podcast. Would it be more accessible to you listeners if we had, you know, one come out on Tuesday that was 35 minutes and another one come out on Friday that was 35 minutes? It wouldn't change what you and I did, sweetie. It's just the way I produce it. My, you, you know how I feel about this, right? I don't think you like it. I don't. I don't want to split it up. And the reason why is because my philosophy on this is you take care of the people who already listen. And I think part of your reason for wanting to split it up is for someone new. And I think that if no, someone... No, no, I'm, I'm asking the listeners who okay. are listening. Okay, our regular listeners. Yeah, okay. so I mean, honestly, I, I don't know what to do. I can argue it both ways. Okay. But it wouldn't be very hard for me to just kind of cut it down the middle okay. and then... Well, I'm definitely open to the feedback. Yeah, if everyone disagrees and they say, no, Kathy, we want it shorter, uh, no problem. I just kind of feel like I thought when and we And maybe, even it would, maybe it wouldn't even be Tuesday, Friday. Maybe it'd be like Tuesday, Wednesday. Like people wouldn't have to, because like, I know some people don't like to wait. Um, so I don't know. I just want some feedback. It's just, in, it's in the same amount. It, the way I look at it, it's the same amount of time either way. So either you're going to like pause it and listen to it the next day. Mm. Like why uploading a new one? would make any difference. I don't know. When I look at a podcast and I see that it's an hour long, I'm I'm never going to finish it. And Whereas am, like this one, we had two really good topics, right? right. You can choose two different topics. Right, yeah. no, right now, if you want to hear the Daniel Pink thing, you got to wait a half an hour before you get to but it. But you can also go into the... They didn't it's really hard that. to do though. Okay. Well, I hear you. I will wait to see what people say. I just like... Because I am not one who shies away from long podcasts because I listen to them on car rides while I'm cleaning the house. So I prefer Shoot long... me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. I would love to hear it because uh, uh, I was really excited about both topics today. Yeah. And it, there's part of me thinks that it would have been nice to have two different titles to two different podcasts. Um, anyways, I don't know. Okay. We'll see. I'm, I'm open. Diplomacy, baby. All right. Um, where's her? There it is. So, words of wisdom, forget it. We gave, we gave you enough today. We are say, an hour and eight minutes in. Awesome. This is a record. Wow. I would have never thought it was an hour and eight minutes. I'm hungry. I think I'm going to cook a pizza. Okay, I'm in. Can I But have it's some? got sausage on it. No, cook the cheese one then. I don't think we have a cheese one. I think we do. I think we have one cheese left. I don't think so. Okay. Well, we'll go look because I'm hungry too. Uh, go Cubs. Go Cubs, go. Yeah. Have a good week, everybody. Adios. Bye. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also just tell a friend about our show. That's our favorite kind of marketing. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Westin in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. (laughs) On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals. The website is toddadamscoaching.com. And we also have a monthly men's group. So if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop on Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. 
Doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you want an amazing vehicle to teach your kids about money management, go to the lower right-hand side of our homepage and click on the FAMZOO logo and enter Zen Finance as a promo code. I want to give a special thanks to our three partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, John J. Kelly Dentistry, and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support. Keep on trucking.